Flickr Effect, episode 307. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday, September 29th, 2019. I'm David Lotz. Joining me this episode is Bobby Jackson. Hey, what's up, everybody? What's up, Bobby? Just me and you, buddy. Um, just us. Just two of us, I mean. Um, as usual, plenty to talk about, I'm sure, from your end. Uh, but I'm, I'm kidding. I haven't really watched anything. So... <laughs> Um, and I am probably the only person on the planet that is indifferent about Spider-Man and the MCU. So that's, that's where I am. We can jump right into that. Yeah. Well, I guess the big news was that Kevin Feige, Marvel, Disney, and Sony have all come to agreement for at least one more film, um, in as far as the Spider-Man. So Kevin Feige will be producing... Spider-Man 3, whatever that will be called. And Spider-Man is set to appear in one more MCU film that has not been named. And it looks like uh, the deal came through, uh, I think that was either Friday or Thursday. And it it ended up being, it looks like Marvel slash Disney will get 25% up from the 5% of profit for this next film. Okay. So... To me, it seems like because they're doing this one more film thing with uh, Spider-Man and then one more MCU film, as if maybe they're kind of not necessarily saying that they're going to go back to the negotiation table in two years to see if they can extend this in any way. It seems like maybe they're just trying to wrap up loose ends so that Sony can have full ownership back of Spider-Man and to be able to do what they want to do with him and be able to uh, essentially extract Spider-Man out of the MCU. And the other thing that I remember them mentioning was the release date for the next one is it's either July 16th or July 21st, uh, 2021. But I want to say it was like maybe the 16th. Yeah, I didn't see release date, so I'd have to look it up quickly to see if I can find it. But no, I didn't know there was a release date. And I was kind of curious what some of the just kind of details were of this, because really I haven't looked into it a lot myself. I just heard that it happened mm-hmm. and I didn't know I, I, I'd heard something about the possibility of another character being pulled in with him into an MCU movie. But I, I don't That's just maybe hearsay. Yeah, no, that was the the terms. They have not said what it would be for that second film. Right. But um, the interesting thing is that I have to imagine that whatever film that they want to pick would have to be something big, at least in my opinion, because why would you that that whatever film that he's coming out in will come out after the his last. Uh, spider-man film so it makes it kind of interesting to say well um essentially what would be his exit out in terms of uh story-wise what could make sense movie that he could appear in that probably hasn't been announced i would think it's something that we don't already know of no so it'll be interesting to see what whatever that could be um 
the the other part of that that kind of is uh, has me a little curious is they had mentioned the there's going to be a uh, Madam Web movie that Sony is working on, and a lot of people aren't familiar with the Madam Web character, and I only know of her from seeing her in cartoons and some of the comics that I used to read of Spider-Man. She would appear from time to time, and she has this ability that has something to do with like the webs of not necessarily time, but just it traverses through all of existence essentially. And she could be a catalyst as a way to help introduce the, the spider verse into the larger uh, aspect of the live action world. Hmm. So I'm curious if that's where they're going and maybe leading that into a way of maneuvering Spider-Man out of MCU and into Sony full fledged. So Hmm. Uh, it's interesting. It's interesting things coming up. Just the, I was very happy at the very least to see that they were coming back for a third, uh, for with MCU and Marvel and Sony because the way they left things off in that second film, you just kind of wanted them to at the very least tie that up, and then maybe go from there. But I, I really think that this at least sets my expectations up for not necessarily feeling like, oh, we're going to get another, you know, five years of of Spider-Man in the MCU, but we're getting these two more things. And if that's the way they're going to go and they can do it in in a way that is satisfying, then I'm all on board for it just because I would like to have some sort of level of closure. And who knows, maybe once Spider-Man is integrated back into the Sony universe, um, maybe depending on what the what their movies do with solo Spider-Man, maybe it doesn't work as well as they want, or as hopefully like in the way that they're they're envisioning, then he could be pulled back into the MCU universe again. So we'll see. We, we still have a lot of time between then and now, and I'm sure some more details will shake out within the next year. I'd imagine. Yeah, and I know I said I'm I'm indifferent about the whole thing, but uh, of course I'm happy he's in the MCU. Overall, I mean, I love Tom Holland, first of all, mm-hmm. as Spider-Man, and I loved Homecoming, and I like his involvement in all the other MCU films he's been in. I think my problem where, where I'm not getting, like, especially excited about it right now is just because I'm still, like, you know, coming off far from home. I'm just kind of like, meh, like I really... Mm-hmm very mad about that movie and i think it's just kind of spoiled my excitement for anything spider-man for a little bit so that, that's all that's that's where that comes from and I get that. by the way yeah the release date i see is july 16th 2021 okay cool yeah the only thing i could maybe think of where he could possibly show up mm, see i don't i can't even imagine when the next avengers movie would be but I guess the film that could make sense is a Captain Marvel too, maybe because even though that's such an odd pairing, they did have a little scene together right. in Endgame. But um, she deals with stuff on a cosmic level, so maybe there's something there that could uh, help kind of incorporate 
Spider-Man into a, something of separation of the universes or something. But yeah, that that's going to be the thing that everyone's going to question from now until the more information comes out is exactly how they'll go about trying to um, exercise him from the MCU in, yeah. in a way that makes sense. Well, uh, let's jump into our box office battle, which uh, we started a couple episodes ago. For those who don't know, every week we are all uh, making predictions for our top five or for the top five of the box office for the weekend. Um, we've been tweeting them out about midweek, and we get points for everyone we get right. We get a bonus two points um, for if we guess within, what is it, two million of the top mm-hmm. number one winner. And uh, this week, um, real box office at number five was Ad Astra with a little over 10 million. That was in its second week in release. At number four was It Chapter Two with also a little over 10 million. At number three was Hustlers in its third week in release with about 11.5 million. And number two was Downton Abbey with 14.5. And number one, a new release, Abominable, with 20.9 million. So, where do we stand with our predictions? Uh, looks like both you, Bobby, and Yasha, you, looks like you p- both pulled in about two points this week. Um, mm-hmm. You both got the first two correct, Abominable and Downton Abbey. Yeah. Um, Bobby, you had Rambo at three, Ad Astra at four, Hustlers at five. You also had predicted $25 million for Abominable. So. Yeah, I thought it was going to do a little bit better just because there hadn't been a, a kids movie out in a while and I figured that this might help to satiate that, that feeling that yeah. parents were having or kids needed to see something. So I thought maybe it'd have a little bit of a bigger pop behind it. But $20 million, um, I think on a $75 million budget, I think I read, it's pretty solid. So um, I guess that's probably right in the sense that 20 million is where it should have came in. I just was thinking it'd probably be a little bit bigger just because of that pent up, uh, yeah. aspect of not being able to have anything for kids. Yeah. Well, you didn't predict it, predict as high as Yasha. He predicted 36 million. Yeah. Uh, so he was a little farther off and yeah, he had it chapter two at three, um, at Astra at four and hustlers at five. Um, now, Michelle and I both pulled in five points this week. Yeah. Uh, we also both had Abominable and Downton Abbey as our one and twos. And it looks like we both pulled in the bonus. She guessed $22 million. So I guess that puts her right on the edge, right? Yep. And then I, I predicted $20 million. And then we also got number four correct at Chapter 2. So Yeah, it's interesting. I was reading something... I don't know if it was from Variety or Hollywood Reporter earlier today, them saying that the It Chapter 2 and Ad Astra, it was hard to call just yet, just because they were so close in numbers. Yeah. So maybe by tomorrow there could be um, a swing of a different direction, which was interesting. Oh, go ahead. Finish your thought. Well, I was just going to say it's interesting because – the you and Michelle both had uh, it chapter two for your number four pick, and me and Yasha both had 
Ad Astra as our number four pick. So if it ended up going the opposite direction, me and him would have a one point swing in our direction and you and Michelle would obviously drop a point. So it'd be um, it right now because you didn't really get into it. But in the three weeks, the point total is you have 11 points and the rest of us have six points. But then if, if that were the case that, um, you know, that the swing would happen, yeah. then you would obviously still be in the lead. But then it would be like 10, for, 7, 7, 5. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's kind of interesting, but so I'm that, that pretty was, sure it'll hold st- steady. But um, what, what were you going to say? Well, that's my next question. So we record this on Sundays. We are kind of... Get right now, at least on 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 air, we are kind of giving results based on the weekend estimates, yeah, which are what get released on Sundays. Every time you go and watch the news on Monday morning, and they're all talking about the box office numbers, they are talking about the weekend estimates, mm-hmm. and the actuals don't drop until like I don't know if it's late Monday or I think it's Tuesday, and no one really ever talks about the actuals, <laughs> so. Yeah, are we officially doing our points based on the weekend estimate and that's it? Or like, are we altering it if the actual changes things? For I the, guess in my for mind... the purposes of this battle. Yeah, so in my mind, I always envisioned the idea that when we would do it, it was based on actuals. So if, if something changed over the weekend, then we would just address it, you know, once we went over the the following week's box office battle and then be like, okay. Oh, well for last week, you know, this is, this changed here. So our point totals adjusted and, you know, so, so on and so forth. That's how I always thought of it is because, you know, we were just going to go by actuals as, as opposed to estimates. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, I even paid attention to it when I was editing the YouTube video for the last, I think it was the last episode. Mm. And there was a couple movies that were really close to each other. Yeah. And I think yeah. it was, yeah, Ad Astra and Rambo were mm-hmm. within like 200 million of each other for two and three. And when we went to edit, I think, I think it was that one that 200 I 200 million? That's 200,000. 200,000. Sorry. That's what I meant. 200,000. Um, and while I was editing, uh, editing, I did check the uh, actuals and indeed it, they hadn't shifted. So right. as yeah. far as I know, we haven't run into that yet. I think the actuals no. have held. But exactly. Now, now yeah. I know. Now I know officially. For sure. <laughs> that, yeah, because uh, I did the same thing. I checked last week too when uh, um, when we went over it because it was so close. I ended up checking once the actuals came in just to make sure everything still held and it did. Right. So. All right. Good to know. It's written in stone. We are we're <laughs> going with the actuals, even though on air we we say otherwise. And right. We'll just kind of have corrections the next weekend if we have to. Yeah. I don't know if it changes a lot, though. But it doesn't typically, and it's usually not all that close, generally speaking. But right. Yeah. And yeah, you you're sitting pretty pretty high on the hill right now. Not bad right now. Points. <laughs> Gosh. It's all luck, but. <laughs> well, I mean, to a certain degree, but at some at some point, it, it's also a little bit of good deduction because I guess, yeah. you just kind of have to figure most things are going to fall in line like next week we have um we have joker coming out you just assume that that's going to be number one and then maybe things don't shift much and they just push down one that's the assumption but when you're 
playing the game in a way, you want to maybe try and put something in a different spot than the other just because it might give you that one point advantage or something over someone else. Yeah, so, if you get it right. Man. Yeah, so part of it is that as well. But, um, you know, definitely helps to hit that number one and the two coming within two million because then that gives you at least three points. If you get nothing else right that week, you get at least three points if you can get those those two aspects right. 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 Well, yeah, that's our box office battle for this week. As you mentioned, yeah, I'm at I'm at number one now, I guess, with eleven points. And then you, Yasha, and Michelle are all tied with six points. Yeah. Well, that's gotta feel good. Well, I don't know, she probably hasn't noticed it yet, obviously, but I think it should feel good for Michelle because if you think about it, and I'm looking at the the point spread right now, and in week one, she had one right, I had four right, you had three, Yasha had two, and then the following week, she had a zero, I had a zero, you had three, and then Yasha had two, and then this week, her highest point total of the three weeks that we've done, she ends up hitting five points, and me and Yasha with two, so it just shows you, you know... You're not really out of this thing, especially with so many weeks to go before we end it, that it, things can move around a lot. And it's going to be more and more important, I think, to be able to try and get that bonus if you can. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's Things change quickly. Yeah. But moving on. Um, yeah. What's What's been going on this week? Yeah. I didn't really get a chance to watch anything this week. <laughs> um I've been reading, but yeah, I started reading Lord of the Rings. Oh, uh, interesting. Yeah. Why? Why? Uh, why that? Why um, now? I've always wanted to. Why now? I don't really have a good reason for that. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, well, like I mentioned. Well, the funny thing is, I think it was the last episode how I mentioned that. Oh, hey, you know, I just randomly decided to watch Fellowship of the Ring that day, and. I really had no reason. The funny thing about that was it was actually, I guess, you know, quote unquote, it was Hobbit Day that day, Mm. Um, which I don't think I'd ever heard of. And I didn't I I think I came across it on a random Instagram account that I follow. I was scrolling through Instagram the next day and I saw that that, oh, I'm like, yesterday was Hobbit Day. That's funny. I randomly watched Fellowship of the Ring yesterday, but okay. And then I started reading the book and I quickly figured out why it's called Hobbit Day (laughs) because I didn't realize that Bilbo and Frodo's birthday first are the same day. I don't think I realized. I don't know if that's said in the book in the movie. I didn't know that. And because it's all about Bilbo's birthday and his big party. But I don't think anything is said about Frodo's birthday. Well, it's Frodo actually has the same birthday and it's September 22nd. So that's why apparently it's Hobbit Day. Anyway, so that's I had, no idea. I had no idea either. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. I think it was after I watched that that I was feeling a little like, oh, man, you know, I, I still never read those books. I've always wanted to screw it. I'm just going to go for it. And I think I've also I've been a little intimidated to read them just because huh. I don't know. I feel like a lot of people I've spoken to when they talk about Lord of the Rings, people that have read them, that it's like. It can, at times, at least what I've heard, it sounds like it can be a bit like reading an encyclopedia about like information mm-hmm. about Middle Earth and these cultures and their languages, and mm-hmm. it makes me a little like, uh, is this really going to be an enjoyable read? 
And I don't know, maybe I could get to that as I read, but so far it hasn't been like that. So. No. But I'm it, also very early on. Like, I'm like about 25% through the first book. I've got a ways to go. Yeah, there are certain parts where it does feel like more of an encyclopedia, but yeah. I, I don't think that was my general takeaway when I read them. I read them all um, prior to the first movie coming out, once I knew about the movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. Coming out. I decided to read them, and I, I that's um, I don't remember in terms of the order, but I don't think that I read all three books before Lord of the Rings came out. It might have been like I read Lord of the Rings before the first movie came out, then I maybe read the second one before the second movie came out, mm. second and third one before the second movie came out, something. But you know, I essentially read them all before seeing the movies, all okay. the movies. So yeah, I, and I've tried to read The Hobbit a couple times, and mm. it's I don't know. I've always just ended up out of that book. I think just I lose interest in it. So mm. I'm hoping that doesn't happen with this. And so far, I, so. I I will say so far I'm enjoying Fellowship way more than I enjoyed anything I read in The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because it's I'm kind of reading something you know that's following along with a movie that I know and and love very well, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't think I ever did try to read The Hobbit, especially not after reading the other three. I didn't feel that um, pull to go and go and read The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah, so I'm not sure how that one reads, but I do know that once I started in on Lord of the Rings, how much I enjoyed it, that, you know, I, it was really chomping to get to the next one so if the point at which you've read so far is already enjoyable then yeah i would say for sure that um you're, you'll probably have a higher opinion of all three of those books um compared to the hobbit and i don't know if you realize this or i don't know if i've mentioned it but to this date i still have yet to see the last hobbit movie <laughs> I think you had mentioned that you hadn't seen it in general. Yeah. And so I just figured, you know, you probably hadn't seen it since. It's either. just, I laugh because I, it's funny to me. I mean, for as, like, I absolutely love that Lord of the Rings trilogy. Mm-hmm. And then to think that then they made three more films and I didn't even finish them. But at the same time, I, I don't laugh because I enjoyed them and I just didn't finish them because I don't enjoy them. Like mm-hmm. it's just a completely different experience for me from Lord of the Rings. I don't know. Yeah, I where I come down on it is that I enjoyed those movies, but I recognize that there's issues with them and that it, it probably could have been done in two movies and even then it, it still could have been tightened up some and different things. But I I think I overall enjoyed them for what they were, recognizing that they could have been better. Yeah. But anyway, that's what I've been up to this week. I've been reading, not really watching anything. How about you? Do you watch anything? Yeah, well, yeah, I'm continuing on my quest for uh, finishing The West Wing. Oh, yeah. How far are you in that now? uh, You know, I'm like maybe midway through season two at this point. Okay. So, yeah, I'm chugging along. It's still, still good. I'm curious just because... In going into the second season, there's been a, a, a new cast member that was added. 
uh, one of the old cast members disappeared out of thin air that they never made mention of mm-hmm. uh, again. And then the one of the other characters that pops in and out of this, uh, at least of the first season anyway, is uh, the president's daughter. I think her name is Chloe. She she so far has not been in any episode I've seen in the second season. I I think I'm like into maybe episode 12 or 13 of the season. So I haven't seen her. So I'm like, Hmm, I wonder when they're going, I'm sure she'll pop back up again. I'm just like interested and kind of curious as to when, because like I said, she would be in different various episodes in the first season. And it was weird because when she first, when I first saw her in the first season, um, I just, I didn't, nothing, had no thoughts in, in terms of who she was in general. And it wasn't until, <laughs> I don't, I don't even know when that, um, maybe I saw, I think it was in the credits, uh, who it is that portrays the the character. And I was like, what, what, where, who, who? And I remember looking up on IMDB, uh, like who the character was. And I don't know if when you first watched it, if you had that idea of like who she was, if you do um, at that time, because I don't think she had done anything else that I'm aware of. Elizabeth Moss. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I hadn't said. Who no, she yeah. Was, you haven't said her name. And by the way, her character, it's Zoe, Zoe Bartlett. Zoe, Zoe, uh, Chloe, Zoe. OK, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I didn't she didn't she didn't. I see it now, but then she just didn't look like a young Elizabeth Moss to me hmm. in that way and that I see it now that I know who she is. Because I really only honestly became familiar with Elizabeth Moss in The Handmaid's Tale. I don't I don't think if she's been in it, if she's been in anything else that I've seen, she didn't register with me enough to remember her. And so my real first feeling like I, I, I know who this is as an actress is just through recognition of her and her work that she's done on The Handmaid's Tale. So um, going back and or at least watching The West Wing and seeing her so young, I just didn't I put two, to two, two and two together at all until, like I said, I saw her name in the credits and it made me look to see who she was. And I was like, oh, wow, because she's super young in The West Wing. Yeah, or at least she looks. No, it. Yeah, she is, and she pops in and out throughout the seasons. Like, mm. you know, she, she. Yeah, you say you haven't seen her yet. I think in season two, but there's no doubt yeah. she reappears here and there. Almost, I think, almost every season. I don't think there was a season she never appears. Okay, but I'm also halfway through season five. Well, actually, I'm getting close to finishing season five right now. And I mean, as I said before, I've watched seasons five, six, and seven, but it. Mm-hmm. I think it was also spotty when I watched those seasons and I have, there's been some episodes in season five that I've been like, Oh, I don't remember this. I don't remember this either. You know? So Mm. I could be wrong about those three seasons, but at least in the first four, I know, I think she appears in all of them at random times. Okay. And then like, for me, it's like, that's what I knew her from was the West wing. And it's Mm. been more of a, just kind of following her career, you know, seeing her in other movies, like the one I love and, some other kind of indie stuff she's done and then to see her eventually make it to the handmaid's tale it's like oh my god like look where her career has gone right but, uh, huh. 
And I, for, I had to think at first, like, what cast member was added in the second season? But I think I, I know who you're thinking of right now. But um, yeah, I don't. I'm not familiar with the actress name. Oh man, but, I, it, it's failing me, which is terrible. She was in a CSI Miami for okay a while. I was gonna say I don't think I've seen her in anything else either to um, know her. This is the first time I think I've man, seen. Man, this is really but Emily Proctor. I'm, I'm assuming is who you're talking about. A- plays the character of Ainsley Hayes. Yes. Yeah. 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 She was a new one that I got added to season two. So yeah, still still enjoying that. Along. Nice. Yeah. How about you? Well, I guess I know the answer, but you haven't started uh, Breaking Bad just yet. Unfortunately, I haven't started Breaking Bad. I'm also still dying to start the Dark Crystal series on Netflix. Oh, wow. Which I haven't started. I know I I mentioned I have watched a little more of West Wing Season 5, but that's just been kind of... I I mean, I'm watching them, and even though, yeah, there are episodes in that season I haven't seen before, but it is still kind of the thing that I put on, like, maybe right before bed, and I'm still kind of getting ready Mm. for bed as it's on. And I I feel like I'm watching it enough. (laughs) Like, I'm not not necessarily sitting and watching each episode, like, you know, I I don't know. But anyway, I I, I haven't (laughs) watched anything new, like, unfortunately, no. I still need to tap into Breaking Bad. That hasn't happened. Yeah. Well, once you, once you, get, I feel like once you start, well, I, I think everyone's mileage, every, everyone's mileage varies because I, I honestly think it took me about till episode six of the first season yeah. to really lock in and just, you know, devour it mm-hmm. because I didn't come in at the show when it first was on. I think, I caught up to the show by the time it was, mm, I want to say it might've been mid season two or possibly even season three. And I had to, you know, binge the other, the first season and second, but luckily that first season shorter. So it wasn't like it was a a longer binge or anything, but yeah. So once you, once you get in, you'll be in for sure. I, I have a feeling. Um, anything else though? Just West Wing? Yeah. Yeah. No, just not, not just West Wing. I actually (laughs) did watch one other, one other thing, Uh but you know, it's been a slower week in terms of, uh, stuff I watched. Well, okay. I guess in being full disclosure of things I've watched, I've actually watched some of the newer shows that have premiered. I just don't have enough to say about them per se, but yeah, yeah, I'll run through them real quick. Um, on ABC, a new show called Emergence started, mm-hmm. um, and it's about this young girl who's discovered at the site of a crash, and uh, local law enforcement finds her. Uh, the sheriff is uh, a female sheriff that finds the girl and takes her home and, and essentially ends up protecting her from some agency of people that are looking for this girl for uh, reasons that they have yet to fully explain, but you see that she has some sort of powers or ability. And the first episode I thought was, it was okay. It wasn't enough to make me feel like I want to tune in every week to watch what's going to happen. Because I think the the pace of that first episode already made me feel like they're going to tease out this mystery pretty long throughout the, the season if not into multiple seasons. And so I was kind of on the, 
edge of where I feel more like I think I would just rather binge this as a show once it's completely done with its first season. Because if it's a typical normal um, broadcast show and it gets anywhere between 18, 22 episodes, then I don't know that I want to watch week to week where you're waiting to see more of what happens and reasonings or reasons why, as opposed to, you know, they're, they have time to fill essentially with that many episodes. So I'm kind of where I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait to see one, if it gets picked up for a second season and two, to be able to kind of binge it in a way that I think would be more satisfying as opposed to watching it to where it gets kind of drug out. Cause it's not the same type of show where it feels as compelling with the mystery of what's going on, like mm-hmm. a lost or something. It's not like that. It's just, you know, you kind of can understand some of the beats because it's been done before where some, you know, kid has some sort of ability and people are after him. I mean, it's it's been done time and time again. So it's not like it, that part of it is on its own enough to keep me tuning in week to week. So right. we'll see. We'll see how that one goes. And another one on ABC that premiered this past week was Stumptown with Kobe Smulders. Mm-hmm. And um, that one is based off a graphic novel that I'm not familiar with. I have not read it. But she plays a um, kind of a ne'er-do-well because she was an ex, uh, I want to say Marine maybe. And she had went through a traumatic experience coming back from the war. And she really hasn't kind of gotten her life together. But uh, she's low on cash, and she takes a job to help find this uh, girl that uh, essentially leads her into some more trouble. But the first episode, I thought was, again, it was okay. It didn't do anything to stand out specifically from anything that seems like it any of the other procedurals in that way. There didn't seem to be a uh, underlying mystery or underlying um, MacGuffin or anything from the series that looks like that we're going to go through. Mm. It just seems like it's maybe a procedural week to week, different things happening with this character. And I like Kobe in the, in the role, but there again, wasn't anything specific about it that, keeps me wanting to watch it week to week. And that's one of those things where um, with so much good stuff on TV, it's hard these days to justify spending time watching something that's not super elevated or um, something that you feel is truly worthy of that time to spend on it, especially especially within a, a broadcast network show because Again, they do so many episodes, and so to invest in that, it feel like it feels like it has to be something that's really special. And I don't know that I would say that this is. Uh, it almost seems like the shows on network TV are still like, in general, filling that space for for those people who really do still just go, okay, it's nighttime. Like, what am I going to watch tonight? Hey, this yeah. is on. I'm going to watch this. Yeah. And I don't know how many people are actually like, like you said, with that, with as much good stuff as there is, 
like just really high quality television you know why would you pick a lot of those shows to like record or find on hulu or what have you to like sit down and go i'm gonna keep up with you know this abc show or this cbs show or this nbc show you know yeah i don't know exactly so the one other show that i did end up watching um that i can remember is on on cbs called um evil yeah and this I was curious has, about that one this one has mike coulter who was from uh luke cage he's mm-hmm. the starring character of that and um the actress, I'm not familiar with her and, and anything that she's been in uh, prior to to this, but uh, I think her name is Kat. I don't know if I pronounce it properly or properly. Is Katja Herbers the the lead in Evil? Yeah, I'm trying to look myself, but I'm having I a think hard that's time. her name. Kat Katja Herbers. Yeah. Okay, but I haven't seen her in anything else before. But the the basic premise of this show is that she plays a clinical psychologist, and Mike Coulter is a, a priest. Well, well, he's not a priest yet. He's training to be a priest, and he helps or he enlists her to help him um, figure out if people who are being criminally investigated if they're insane or or crazy or if they are possessed by evil and she is the type who is doesn't believe in any of it and he is a believer and so you put them together and it's sort of a a a scully and Mulder thing in a way of like Mm x-files and they have an interesting chemistry together and they they they're her character is sort of um, – she's very smart. You can just tell that she she's she knows her stuff. But in her personal life, it, it's kind of uh, a little bit of a mess. And it, I, I think it works for the character because she's not completely just this one-dimensional character. She, she has um, her own faults. And Mike Coulter's character is – he was again a soldier that was in the war and has come back and and has decided to uh, give his life over to doing something that helps benefit people and so but yet he still has that past of his to where you know he doesn't act completely holy and and does things that uh, wouldn't necessarily be looked upon as good but not bad in any sort of way uh, for instance, there is a, a scene where he's kind of getting in the face of someone that uh, has at least some sort of answers that he's looking for. And the guy kind of goads him. And so he gives him a, a Mike Coulter gives him a, a quick gut punch, you know, and that's right. not quite the nice thing to do. And the guy calls him out on it. It's like, oh, is that what Jesus would do kind of thing? And so, you know, he he's not quite... Um, come fully into himself as trying to be a priest, but, you know, he's trying. But I love the dynamic between the two characters, and I actually liked the what they were doing with the in terms of trying to find out and figure out if this person was in, 
indeed uh, possessed and, and evil, so to speak. And um, this does seem like it has something that is uh, threaded throughout the season because Michael Emerson was that character that uh, Mike Coulter was being antagonized by. And he seems to be a part of some sort of, uh, I don't know that it's a cult per se, because they don't really get too much into it in the first episode, but he is involved in something. And there does seem to be uh, evil about, but not necessarily every time that they go out and try and find something in someone, are they necessarily evil, but there does seem to be something. And so... I was actually into this one, and uh, I really liked the first episode. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep up with this one week to week. Cool. What else uh, did you watch anything in the theater? There wasn't really, honestly, much to watch in the theater this week, other than um, Abominable. Yeah. Um, Judy had opened, but it's not open in all theaters. I, it didn't open wide. It opened this past week, but it didn't open wide. Luckily, I was able to find it at uh, one of my theaters nearby, and uh, it stars Renee Zellweger, and she's playing Judy Garland, and it's, hmm, you know how I feel about biopics, and I tend to uh, enjoy them more than most, just because I always find them informative and entertaining as well. Obviously, there's things here and there that are done for the purposes of entertainment more than for education or trying to inform you of real actual things. But it always is it at least in a way that if they do it right, makes you kind of want to go back and look and say, Oh, you know, find out a little bit more. And for my money, I think this is probably one of the, probably one of the best films I've seen so far this year. It's it's really good. Um, Renee Zellweger, I think, does such an incredible job of uh, embodying and, and sort of a transformative uh, type of role for her to be Judy Garland. And she does a lot of the, the singing in it herself, um, if not all. I'm, I'm pretty sure she probably did it all. But she does such a good job with the performances and the movie isn't the typical biopic where it starts where she's a girl and grows throughout the years and whatnot. It's more like told from uh, Judy's uh, later years. And she it's intercut at different times with her being a little bit younger during the time that she was filming The Wizard of Oz. And uh, it, it, there's scenes within there that add context to what she's kind of going through in current. And... It's pretty incredible, and I didn't know a lot of the different things that she was doing during that time. I only had broad strokes of her life in terms of uh, how kind of bad she had it. And it's such an incredible experience that she went through and how much hardship was put on child performers back then because there wasn't people really um, policing it in a way. And so... They treated them horribly as as actors just for the sake of maybe making a, a film that would make the studio money. And uh, Louis B. Meyer of Meyer, Goldwyn, and Meyer, is it? Or MGM? Oh. Whatever. The, uh, 
No, man. I'm. <laughs> uh, no, that doesn't sound right. But hold on. You're gonna look it up. Yeah. Well, so why are you looking? Metro, it up? It's like Metro he, Golden Mayor, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. There you go. Metro, Metro Goldwyn Metro Mayor. Goldwyn. Yeah. So he is in the film, and he is sort of the person that's kind of on set and responsible for a lot of the hardship that Judy Garland experienced during mm. her filming of um, the uh, Wizard of Oz, and it just was a, a really good look at the at the life and um, her, her difficulties in her later years, and uh, it was absolute great film that I really, really have a lot of, um, had, a, had a lot of emotion for, like in terms of just being able to feel for uh, the character and, and then just to recognize what Renee was doing with the role. So yeah, I imagine that she's going to get some love during the award season. Good to hear. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, you and I are a little opposite on biopics because yeah. I will probably see Judy because I, you know, you've raved about it now and I've heard other rave reviews and it's coming up in award season and we've got our top 10 list coming up. But if it were for any of that, I would not go see that movie. It just doesn't interest me, but mm-hmm. I'll, I will probably see it. Hopefully I enjoy it. But yeah. I mean, I think, I think you will. And I, I'm kind of curious because Another one that you hadn't seen that I think a decent amount of people have said good things about um, is Rocket Man as well. Yeah, so. I feel like I've heard fairly mixed things about Rocket. Really? Man. Yeah. I think most everything I had saw about it was positive. I don't. I need know to check that, that out. I mean, that's a real. I could I could rent that at that at this point. I need to watch that. Yeah, exactly. That and uh, what's the other movie that's available on digital now that I'm dying to see? Um, uh, Midsommar. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're the one yeah. watch out. Yeah, it's it's like you said, getting close to that time to start. Yeah, some movies I've missed. I'm gonna have to start throwing in there and catching up on. And I still want to, like I've said, finish West Wing because of the podcast I'm going to in January. And now I've got Breaking Bad. I need to watch. I've got things. Yeah, <laughs> you've yep. got. You've definitely got things. I've got things. Now reading a book. <laughs> I'm actually reading uh, yeah. it, not listening to it, which is not something I normally do. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's been a while since I've sat down and actually read a book. It's just so much more – it's much more convenient for me these days to listen to them because of yeah. how much time I, either I'm on the road or, or just having the opportunity to listen, not read it for something. So I've been burning through uh, the Darth Bane novels for Star Wars mm-hmm. that – isn't canon, but they're nevertheless uh, pretty good books. So, um, been enjoying that, and I think I'm almost done with this third book in in that trilogy of, of, of series. So, yeah, uh, yeah. now I'm kind of almost looking towards what's next for me to listen to because uh, once that one's over, I don't really have anything queued up for the next thing to listen to. So, speaking of canon, that kind of reminds me. <laughs> um, so Joker comes out this coming weekend. Yeah. And uh yeah, you're see I think you're seeing it Thursday. Look, unfortunately I can't see it Thursday. I'm not mm. going to see it till Friday. But I'm seeing it Friday night. I'm excited. I can't wait. Um 
I, I don't know if we've talked much about, I'm kind of curious to get your take, your expectations when it comes to like this movie, as far as we can tell. And I, I have not really, I mean, I've seen the kind of one line reviews for this movie coming out of like Venice Film Festival, but I haven't read anything in depth about what the story's like and how it kind of fits in with what we know about Joker from the comics. Mm-hmm. Like, what's your take on this movie just really being a standalone, completely new take on, like, the Joker, if indeed that's what it is, and that really doesn't, like, seem to connect to anything we know from any comic book story arcs, mm-hmm. and and it doesn't appear like it's going to continue with anything else, even in the movie universe. Like, it's going to be most likely a one-off, and it's over. Like, is that something that kind of bothers you or you kind of fine with it? What do you, what do you think? I'm, I welcome it. I'm all for it. I think that it's a good move by DC to do something where they can just establish that they can make standalone movies that have nothing to do with the, the regular continuity of canon that they have running through their DC, DCU films or whatever they're calling it these days. Um, I, I think the only thing that I would say maybe going forward is if they continue to do more of these, they give it some sort of name to help people that aren't as informed, that aren't as much in this bubble as we are, so that they can kind of understand that, you know, if if it is called a DC Dark, that then they know that if it's DC Dark, it doesn't have anything to do with the other movies, just to avoid a little bit of confusion based on whatever else they might try to do in the future. Um, If this works, maybe they just only focus on doing villains as opposed. I don't know how far they would get with that in terms of doing villains, because the biggest bullpen is Batman villains that you would really be able to kind of help do this with in a a way. Um, The only other villain that honestly I would rather see more so than a Joker one is uh, a Lex Luthor one just because of how um, intelligent and cunning he is. And and I always kind of like to see that play out a little bit more than crazy. But um, yeah, I think that far, far as them doing this, I, I think this is the best way to go as opposed to um, having it be part of something there. I love when things are, are connected and shared because that's the world I came from when reading comics. But within that world of reading comics on both sides of the, the fence with DC and with Marvel, they always had a line of things that didn't connect to what they were doing in the regular universes. Yeah. You had DC Elseworlds, which is essentially how I look at this movie. It's just a, uh, something that just takes place outside of the universe that you already know. And it's um, essentially what it is. It's, it's an else world. It, it's, it's something that has no ties to continuity, but it's just taking a character that you know and, and giving it a different take. And uh, for that, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that part of it. I haven't been excited to see the movie, but I'm curious to see the movie. So um, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited, I guess. One, it, I think it looks good. I mean, we've heard good things about it 
at least I have. I don't know about you, but I've heard yeah, heard a lot of good sure. stuff, so that makes me more excited. And I mean, I, hey, I love the Batman universe, and I love the Joker, and I'm kind of curious to see an, yet another take, a new take on the Joker. And I mean, there's a part of me, I, I have one friend who's kind of hung up on the idea that this movie appears to just be a completely new take on like an origin story for the Joker. It's not like it's a take that we've seen before in a comic. And I guess for him, it's like, if it's not affiliated with any type of origin story we've seen for him in the comics, then what is this? Like, how is this a Joker movie? And I'm like, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, we see changes to origin stories all the time in comics. Why can't it just be like another reimagining of it, except instead of in comic, now we're just put in a movie. Yeah, like, exactly. that's kind of how I look at it, and yeah, I, I'm I'm excited. That's, yeah, that's... It, I mean, I, I agree. I think that's kind of the best way to look at it is that it seems like every so often they reinvent something of the Joker's backstory in the comics. So if they can do it there, why can't they do it in film as well? And um, right now, there's three different jokers running around in the DC universe that is canon. And I think I, I didn't read this story, but I, I know I read um, the comics in which there, why there, there are three different jokers sort of running around in the DC universe uh, comics. But there was a, um, there was a story that came out, I think maybe last week where I guess one of the writers or maybe the writer, Tom King of Batman. And I don't want to miss misquote or miss say, uh, misread what he said. It may not have been him. It could have been just someone from DC, but someone said that, uh, it's up to the reader, whether or not they want to consider the three jokers as Canon or not, which I thought that was kind of a curious thing to do. I mean, if you wrote it and it's a story, then to me, it seems like it would be canon. It doesn't seem like you can just say, well, I'm just going to choose to ignore this storyline of them saying that there are essentially three different types of jokers. So I don't know. That seems sort of weird to me. But essentially, mm-hmm. it's just to the, the, the main thing to get out of that is that you can have different uh, takes on the Joker or any character for that matter. And... Um, it shouldn't be considered as uh, anything that goes against canon or or considered um, new canon. It's just a story that can be told from a different perspective. And I always think about when characters like, say, Spider-Man or, well, let's go with Spider-Man, with the fact that this Tom Holland version, um, we've never seen an Uncle Ben. And Aunt May is young and, and vibrant and played by Marissa Torme instead of some older, older actress. No one seems to be complaining as much about that as they used to be when the idea was sort of presented before the movie first came out or the idea of it came out. Right. Because at that time, there was only one way people ever saw Aunt May or... You always had the Uncle Ben story as being the catalyst for Peter being Spider-Man. And 
I feel like, at least in film, because I can understand it from the comic book's perspective or even a cartoon perspective or whatever, that uh, there is a, a true underlying origin story for these characters. And to deviate seems sort of like you're not sticking with what we know and, and so on and so forth. So when it comes to film, I, my, my golden rule is if you've done it right at least once, then anything after that, I'm fine with you twisting and, and changing it. And since we've had a series of films, essentially twice, really, that's done it with Spider-Man, told it in that original perspective, an older Aunt May, Uncle Ben being the reason why he does what he does, then in this third iteration, why not mix it up? Why not try something a little bit different? We've seen the 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 tried and true original version told already mm-hmm. in film. Right. Same with Superman. Same with Batman. So I, I feel like that gives you license to now try and do something different because we've had that original version told at least once before. Right. I'm with you. I mean, I feel like when, you know, we first got homecoming, there was a little bit of a murmuring of like, why, why is she so young? And, but that mm-hmm. like, for the most part, yeah, it, it kind of died off very quickly. Yeah. So yeah, I completely agree. There was, um, one other thing that happened in the news that we have not talked about. And I don't even think I got your comments or, or thoughts <clears throat> on it, even in our text, um, thread that we will go back and forth with. Mm-hmm. Kevin Feige is doing a Star Wars movie. <laughs> Thoughts. Oh, yeah. Thoughts. <laughs> um, that's cool. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I say it like that because Star Wars is weird right now. <laughs> like, you know, I, I feel like every everyone's doing a Star Wars movie. <laughs> I mean, that's not true. It's not like that. But it's we're in that funky phase of star Wars where it seems to be all about like what's coming and who is kind of getting announced to do what. And we've got the Benny often Weiss doing a trilogy and Ryan Johnson is apparently still doing a trilogy. And now we're hearing that Kevin Feige is going to be producing a star Wars film or is it films? I don't know. Uh, so far just film film. And, you know, we've got already a couple shows coming up for Disney Plus now, but it's it's not it's all it's in that phase that I kind of can't stand where it's all about. We're going to announce all this stuff and I I get skeptical how much of this we're actually going to see because it Mm. it almost feels like a little too much as well. Um, And I can't wait for Rise of Skywalker and I really can't wait for Mandalorian. I mean. I'm excited about both of them pretty equally, but um, I guess I, I hear Kevin Feige's doing a Star Wars film. And I'm like, okay, that's cool, but I, I just am more in general curious to see where this spider, this uh, a Star Wars universe is going, and that that's why I I, I withhold excitement because I'm like, what's really going on in the Star Wars universe right now? I'd like to think Disney is not going to screw around with it. I mean, obviously it's a huge property for them. And yeah, I feel like they, they've kind of divided the fan base, but that should, I, I pretty confident that'll be temporary, but then you look at galaxy's edge and it's weird. (laughs) Galaxy's edge is now open in both parks and 
I mean, I, from everything we hear, it sounds like the Disneyland version of it has not drawn crowds like expected. And I don't know if that's the case here at Disney World, but I'm getting that impression. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've heard from a cast member that it sounds like they've even lifted some of the kind of blockouts for cast members to go to that park. Mm. Um, so it's it's funky to think like what they've done with that and how it seems. I wouldn't say they've screwed it up, but it seems like they kind of missed the mark somewhere. And I, I we've talked about this before. I think a big problem with it is as well that they didn't open both rides at opening. Yeah. You know, I, I guess it's that maybe they're playing into wanting people to be excited and get there right when it opens, but then come back when the second ride opens thing. But mm-hmm. part of me wonders too, is it really just that in general, there's not a, a lot of excitement about star Wars and people are just like, yeah, star Wars. Cause I still go to like wizarding world of Harry Potter and that place is just packed. <laughs> and people love it and I love it but I digress uh, yeah when it comes to Kevin Feige and Star Wars that's awesome I love Kevin Feige and I'd like to think he'll do something off- awesome in Star Wars but I, I, it just seems so general like I don't I, I, I have a hard time getting too pumped about that am I making sense yeah and the way you explained it I, I, I absolutely can understand why you're coming at it that from that angle but I guess where I come at it from is it gives me unbridled excitement and hope to hear his name attached to Star Wars. Well, obviously, the main reason is because of his track record that he's had at Marvel with everything that he's been able to shepherd. And he loves Marvel. He, he bleeds Marvel. But... If he loves Marvel and he bleeds Marvel, his soul is Star Wars. I mean, it's something that he loves even more than Marvel. So if he was able to do this with something that, you know, isn't even his first love, I can only imagine what he has in mind for his Star Wars film. And depending on who you believe or who you believe in their level of speculation, there's a couple different trains of thought that are out there. Uh, one is that Kevin Feige is going to essentially leave Marvel, move over into Star Wars, and um, at some point in time, Kathleen Kennedy will kind of step to the background and um, Kevin Feige will run all things Lucasfilm slash Star Wars. So there's that train of thought. But then uh, on the other side of that, there's the thought that maybe he will end up doing this one movie, but essentially, depending on how it does, do multiple movies and can at the very least work with Kathleen Kennedy and and plot out a, um, a specific sort of like five, ten year thing with Star Wars in the same way he did with uh, Marvel with the MCU. Mm. So to me, either is good for Star Wars, regardless of uh, which path that sort of takes. It could just be this one-off thing, and that's great. He kind of would have scratched the itch that he's had since being a kid, I imagine, to be able to 
do a Star Wars film, or it could lead to bigger things. And just knowing that he's involved now, to me, is like a, a step in, the, in, a, in that larger world of a different sandbox for him to play in. And so it, it makes me excited because I know he's excited for it. So he had already came out and was quoted as saying that he already has an actor in mind for uh, the movie that he, he's going to help produce or that he's going to be producing. Mm-hmm. So that means he already has a story. He already has. So this is what excites me is that he, he has a plan. He's a man with a plan. He always seems to have been that person that has the plan. So uh, it's exciting to me is that he, he has this already in mind. He's already, and I can't imagine whatever actor he has in mind that he, he won't be able to get that actor. So, I mean, I already saw Chris Evans saying that he wants to be in yeah. the star Wars movie. Yeah. Brie Larson wants to be. So whoever he decides that it is, it's in his head that he wants to be in this movie. Uh, I'm sure it'll be just a matter of uh, signing signing the contract. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it makes me excited for him to be attached to it. I just hope in general that the Star Wars universe, as we move beyond the Skywalker saga, since, mm-hmm. you know, everything we've been told is that this last film, that's it, and the Skywalker saga is over, mm-hmm. that it can find another, basically another Skywalker arc kind of thing not skywalker but somebody else but or something right. but something that like has the magic of star wars like that does i mean I, i'm pumped about the mandalorian and stuff like that and i loved rogue one and you know well, solo was what it was but uh <laughs> you know i'm all for these kind of side stories like that but you know i i hope as they move beyond they can find something that kind of fits that space yeah, I I guess I have no doubt that they will yeah. just because of the amount of possibilities that are out there. And the fact that if you, like I mentioned, I'm listening to these Darth Bane novels on on um, an audio version and they came out of thin air. You know, th- mm-hmm. there wasn't any precedent for it. And there's all this other Star Wars legend stuff that came out of imagination mm-hmm. that are good stories. So to me whether they take something from legend and make it canon and, and do it like that, or they just come up with something completely new. The fact that they've been able to do it before, granted in book form, uh, I feel like they should be able to do it in film form, especially once they move out of the realm of being kind of beholden into the Skywalker um, legacy. Right. Well, that is going to do it for this week's Flickr Effect. Uh, as always, we'd love to hear back from everyone listening. You can email us at feedback at flickereffect.com. We are on Instagram and Twitter at Flickr underscore effect and on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash, forward slash Flickr Effect. So please reach out to us. Let us know what you think. With that, I'm David Lott. I'm Bobby Jackson. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.